Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we talk with actors, artists, and creators about their work, career, and current obsession. I'm your host, Patrick Holland, and these guys made viral videos before YouTube was a thing. They also host the massively popular YouTube show, Good Mythical Morning, which has 6.1 billion views and 16.4 million subscribers as of this recording. It's Rhett and Link. We talk about their show, Good Mythical Morning, and how it's been adapted during the pandemic, their podcast, Ear Biscuits, and what it's like dipping their toes into the world of TikTok. This interview was recorded in April over a Zoom chat with Rhett and Link in LA and myself in San Francisco. So please forgive any audio weirdness. I guess the obvious thing on everyone's mind is we're all... Is every- is what's going on with the pandemic and stuff. How are you both hanging in there with everything? How are your families? It depends on the day. You know, I, uh, as of the recording of this, I think it's 45 or 46 days that we've been, you know, confined in our homes. Uh, we're both in LA and uh, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, you, you fight for positivity, but you, you never know when you're going to be hit with a wave of emotion or anxiety or um, s- something else, you know, some other trial of being at home with your family and also trying to make work happen. Yeah. I think that the, um, you know, the dynamic of being I- at home with a family, with kids who are doing the, you know, essentially homeschooling or distance learning, whatever you want to call it. Um, anybody who's in that situation and it's a lot of people are experiencing some ups and downs. And I I think that the thing that has been helpful for us, because there's been some downs for, for for real, (laughs) um, has been, even though we haven't really done it formally, like there hasn't been like, okay, let's have a family meeting. There has been a lot of talking about the way that we're all dealing with it and talking about the way that we're talking with one another. Oh, I I would imagine too. Is there any like uh, things that seem to work for you guys with, because you're also uh, still recording your show at home too, right? For me at least. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I I think that there's a little bit of a, you know, it's just like when you go on vacation and um, you know, by the end of it, even if you're in a, a beautiful location by the end of it for some reason you're all tired of each other and you're ready to go back home but then you know less than a week later you look back on that vacation nostalgically i think that that is that's how we're going to view this time is it's like oh yeah there was that remember during coronavirus when we had to make the show from home and like we were doing it all ourselves and our kids were helping and man that was that was real sweet in in reality it's hell <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, we have found something that a couple of things that bring us all together. The five of us are obsessed with Survivor. Um, I I think there's there's something therapeutic about seeing these people suffer in the in isolation in the wilderness and trying to make it. That at least makes us feel better that we're in our own homes and we have the luxuries of refrigeration. And as it gets warmer, air conditioning. So, and so we love that show. And then whenever we're not watching that, we're watching Lord of the Rings extended edition behind the scenes, which there's like 
almost 20 st- hours worth of that. You're still working your way through that. I'm still working <laughs> still my way through that. I'm going project. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing family movie night. Uh, my son and I, my 16 year, my 15 year old, 16 year old, how old are you? 16 year old son <laughs> Time and has I stopped. are doing a um, horror movie night on Saturday night. We've got my wife and I have a date night. Uh, and we have another night that we're doing takeout. You know, there's a lot of cooking that's going on together. Um, I'm actually, you know, probably working out more than I typically would just because, okay, I can, I'm walking a whole <laughs> lot. So I think there are some things that I, th- I know we'll want to kind of bring with us as things return to normal. I'm laughing just because I relate to everything you're saying. And uh, I mean, it is, yeah. And I hopefully it will be a time where you're like, yeah, man, we remember that Corona thing. So you brought up Good Mythical Morning. And uh, I guess I'm curious to hear you guys describe for like the two people who aren't familiar with that show, how would you describe Good Mythical Morning? Okay, I'll take a stab at it. Um, yeah, so it's 10 to 15 minutes, Monday through Friday, um, of the two of us, two grown men sitting at one desk with one microphone and doing a variety of things that people on the internet seem to find entertaining. Often that is eating weird or incredibly creative foods, is trying things uh, from around the world. Is playing ridiculous games that are usually based on some sort of fact, uh, but might result in us throwing darts at a board or having a shuffle board that represents different decades. So it's essentially a variety show uh, that takes place in a bite-sized chunk of time every single weekday. And I'm also, uh, you brought up like the food thing. I've seen that's I think a lot of, even if you're not in, a regular viewer that you've definitely came across one of these videos. Are there foods you guys have turned down that are just too weird or too gross for the show? No. Um, <laughs> really? Uh, you know, we, right now we're turning down extremely hot peppers. I mean, we ate the world's hottest pepper called the Carolina Reaper and we documented that uncut. So the, for the first 10 minutes of us eating that pepper, we didn't drink or eat anything else. We just endured it. And we, we did a few other hot peppers, but it's been a couple of years. That's the one thing that we don't do anymore. And we've eaten some, a lot of gross stuff. We, st- we still do that. We have an ongoing series called Will It, where you, we take a well-known dish like, I mean, the very first one we did was tacos, but then you put other things in it like, um, you know, PB and J or pine needles and say, will it taco? But by the end of those, it always gets pretty nasty. And so we trust our team to come up with something that's going to elicit an entertaining reaction from us for the viewer, but isn't going to kill us. (laughs) Yeah. And I, and I think that with the addition to, you know, of mythical chef Josh to the team, um, having somebody who actually knows how to create pretty much any culinary thing you can imagine would basically like ask a question like what if pop tarts had a a restaurant and this is not a sponsored thing i wish it was but it's not <laughs> <laughs> Get that uh, big pop tart money 
Yeah. And so, and then Josh just creates a series of dishes from savory to sweet that all feature pop tarts. And, you know, I mean, he ends up stumbling on some, some pretty incredible ideas. So we're, we're getting more into the creative innovative stuff, but there's all usually, especially on a Willet episode, we're going to get to someplace gross by the end. But after, after a while, there's not a whole lot of other things that you could eat unless you go into, you cross the line to where we're not going to, go which is you know there's sort of a trend of people about eating cannibalism well that yeah we have talked <laughs> about that uh but the uh the trend of people eating live things like live octopus and stuff like that that's we're not going there <laughs> so <laughs> rest assured we're not going to eat any any live animals does it ever like um like dawn on you like i mean it's amazing and i'm entertained by it but it's also ridiculous that like Hey, what do you do? Well, I have this show. I've never like realized that this is how you're earning a living. We thought we wanted to be filmmakers, but we didn't know specifically what it was, so we kept it vague. And you know what? I mean, we we didn't know that entertainment would be a thing. We certainly didn't know that YouTube would be a thing or that we could support ourselves until it started happening <laughs> decades later. But it was the fruition of of that dream. So yeah, there's many a time, many times when we look at each other at the desk and we're we're making each other laugh in the same way we did when we were, you know, recording ourselves onto cassette tapes and doing mock interviews when we were in grade school and middle school and just making each other crack up. We're still doing that as, you know, guys in our forties. So it's 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 crazy, and I think that. I'm just so grateful that it resonates with people. You know, the type of friendship we have, there's like, there's this unconditional acceptance and of, of each other and of what experiences we can have together so that um, we can translate that to an audience and they, and they can make it a part of their daily routine. The name of our podcast is called I'm So Obsessed, and I'm curious, what are each of you so obsessed with currently? Uh, man, I, I got to say that this quarantine has got me into TikTok. I, <laughs> you, can hear, you can hear the, the embarrassment in my voice, uh, but, you know, the interesting thing is that we have, uh, you know, you would think that two guys who run a company that is known first and foremost for their digital entertainment would be just chomping at the bit to get on every new platform. Uh, we are shifting that a little bit and trying to be more proactive. And one of the things that's doing that is our team. You know, we've got people working on our social media team that just graduated college literally last year. Um, and I think that, you know, this is what our kids are watching. So, for the past few months before coronavirus, my 16 year old was already on TikTok quite a bit. And I would sort of just look over his shoulder and just not, it wouldn't, it would not compute for me. You know, I didn't get it, but I've learned over the years that it, all it takes is a little more exposure and then something kind of clicks. And I think that I'm beginning to understand it. And now as a company, we're trying to figure out uh, what does the mythical presence on TikTok look like? So, uh, 
it's what started as just an interest is now a business strategy. <laughs> but I'm watching a lot of TikTok. <laughs> like all good things do. <laughs> right. It's fun to watch. I mean, the the only problem is I've got to be calculated on when I get on TikTok because it never stops. I mean, I've I've had that relationship with Reddit for a couple of years now and there's no ending to the scroll. I mean, I I know that's obvious, but that's not how your brain works. There's something about that scroll that if you're acting as if you're going to get to the end of it. Like the next thing's going to be better and it's going to be it's going to be a final point and then I can close my eyes and go to sleep and it's so before I start, before I open the app, I have to make more of a calculated decision because I usually go too deep. But um, the thing that I'm most obsessed with right now is uh, current mood. This is John Mayer's weekly live Instagram stream, but it's, it is a show. It's formatted as a show. Uh, it comes on Sunday nights at 7 Pacific. And I mean, he's doing it from quarantine. And as far as I can tell, he's, he's totally alone or I really can't tell that there's anybody else there except his dog. And it's, it's extremely intimate and revealing, but the dude is so fun. I mean, I'm a huge fa- I was a huge fan of his music. And then uh, my 17 year old daughter, who's also a fan discovered current mood, which is, has over like 300 episodes. And but in especially in this time when we're all homebound, the way that he processes his experience is very therapeutic. And there's always laugh out loud moments. And I just found myself really connecting with it and looking forward to that each week. So that's absolutely my current obsession. Unapologetic go, fangirl of John Mayer. I want to go back to the TikTok thing because I, I think there is, I definitely got the sense and, and I feel it too that it is a, a younger person's uh, uh, medium. And is that part of the shame there? Or is it the shame that like, uh, I think Rhett, you were saying that, you know, once you explore it enough, you cut something just clicks and then it's, oh yeah, I'm just going to do, you just own it. I, I think that, you know, our perspective on what it is we're doing and what it is we're trying to accomplish has changed over time. And in many ways, that's just been as a result of what people have responded to. You know, I think initially, like a, like a lot of people, when we first got on YouTube, we were thinking, okay, well, yeah, this is a great way to make a living while we're creating things that then hopefully will transition into some sort of legitimate, in quotes, uh, form of entertainment at the time. And so I think that we thought that that was happening, you know, back in 2011, when the series of local commercials that we were making got turned into uh you know, a TV show on IFC. And that made us think, oh, okay, here, here we go. We are, we're making the transition. I think that over time, we started re- realizing that, oh no, this isn't about transition, transitioning into another form of entertainment. This thing that we've built in mythical entertainment and the community that has sort of sprung up around our content, like this is where it's at. And I think that um, we, are now seeing it as, oh, we actually need to be proactive in these places. And I think that uh, the, the embarrassment just comes from the sense that like, oh, there's this old version of myself that just saw myself using 
all these platforms as a stepping stone to something more traditional so I could just you know, right off into the sunset. But I think that we realize that, no, we've got to be involved and we've got to be engaged with our community. And uh, if they're on TikTok, and, there, and there's also an opportunity to be creative and innovative there in a way that you can any time in the early stages of a platform. So that's intriguing to us as well. Are you guys, either of you guys worried? I mean, YouTube is such a dominant force in our society and online. And there maybe, I mean, you could say Twitch or there are small things that are equivalent, but is there ever, I mean, you're talking about being proactive, but is there also, that is kind of where you guys are, is YouTube. Um, are, are there ever fears or worries about what that relationship with Google is like, or that they might do something that affects like not only the show, but also your ability to earn an income? Um, we have a great relationship with YouTube and with Google, um, you know, having been on the platform for so, for so long, we, we have the benefit of experiencing when it was, we didn't know anyone by name who worked at YouTube and that slowly started to change, but now it's a, it's a much more collaborative, um, uh, relationship, but at the same time, you're right. I mean, it's, YouTube still runs algorithmically, right? You know, it's the, the machine knows best and, and that, that's, that's their worldview. That's their, that's their approach to the platform. So, you know, even though they're going to, they're going to do everything they can to, for, for us to be a success, they're actually, it's, that's going to be subservient to the machine, how the machine works, right? So as things change, we notice that there's changes to, you know, how our content is served up. And it, sometimes that's very positive. Sometimes that's negative. You know, right now we're only able to put out three episodes a week while we're recording the show as a split screen from our homes. And we've seen a negative impact on the overall performance of our library on, on the platform. And, we, you know, you, you kind of have to read the tea leaves of how the algorithm is treating the, re, the reduction in the cadence of our release and um, make adjustments. So, I mean, we're, we're certainly doing a lot of things and also on Instagram and Instagram IGTV to, to reach our audience where they are and to diversify um, the way you can experience Good Mythical Morning and, um, achieve more secure financial security in the process, you know, so all our well, eggs are, and in it goes, bag. and it, it goes further than just, uh, other forms of GMM. I mean, I think that, you know, we're do, we are doing original content in a lot of those places. Um, and those platforms like we're, you know, we're getting a lot of traction on Facebook, which, uh, which, you know, the perception is that it's an older platform that everybody's mom is on talking about politics, which is true in many ways. Um, but you know, there's, they're paying real money over there in, in ad revenue. And they're one of the only other platforms that is doing it, uh, even comparable to the level that YouTube is. But I think that, you know, IGTV is, should be doing that soon. Um, and you know, I think our idea, our approach for the last few years has been like, yes, looking at our portfolio of our content and our revenue streams from five years ago, which was very, very much dependent on AdSense revenue, 
uh, with some brand integration incorporated, I think we're trying to make that piece of the pie smaller and smaller. So in addition to the things that Link was talking about, you know, our merchandise uh, is in a completely different place than it was a few years ago. We Last year, we started the Mythical Society, which is essentially a paid fan club where people have access to a show that we do every week called Behind the Mythicality, which is sort of a behind the scenes of everything that goes on at our uh, our company. And then Link and I do live streams and AMAs. There's all kinds of other content. We're doing a bunch of stuff there as well. All, you know, not only to do some really cool stuff for our community, but also like Link said, to diversify and not be so dependent on any one platform because you're just at the mercy of the algorithm at that point. That makes sense. I, I feel like I have like about a million more questions I want to ask you, but um, I, I can kind of wrap it up. There's a thing we do called pick one and I give you two choices and you can talk about it. There's not a right answer or a wrong answer, but just kind of a neat way to kind of hit a lot of different topics if you guys are up for that. Sure. Sure. Great. So the first one, I'm from South Carolina. My pop is an NC State graduate uh, of hmm. architecture. Uh, so the first, <laughs> I don't know why I'm asking you this. I know what you're going to say. North Carolina or South Carolina? Pick one. <laughs> we call I'm South Carolina with... <laughs> the underbelly of North Carolina. So we got to go with our home state, North Carolina. <laughs> we'll say, though, I will say, though, that we're both partial to the Columbia-style mustard-based barbecue sauce, which is a little bit sacrilegious to say if yeah, you're from no. North Carolina. Rhett, I'm with you on this. I, I uh, as someone who went to University of South Carolina mm -hmm. and discovered this, this amazing mustard treat, it's, uh, yeah, it's phenomenal. Yes. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. It's okay, the favorite. next one is uh, actually there's four, but you have to pick one: film, YouTube, book, or podcast. Pick one. <laughs> because everything you've done, but I could probably throw an album in there now, right? <laughs> oh wow! Mm. I'm gonna just I'm gonna have to go with YouTube because from my perspective, uh, all the other things that we've been able to do have sort of been you know have come from that have come from YouTube. Yeah, I'll go for I'll go with sketchbook. Is that an option? Well, it is now. So, <laughs> uh, YouTube got to be YouTube. Um, YouTube star or YouTube influencer? <laughs> Neither. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm uncomfortable with both terms. Um, so it's, I got to pick like the star. If I had to pick one, <laughs> influencer, it has a you know it has a manipulative overtone. Yeah. Well, it's like the time Link was in the uh, the Uber and the guy asked him what he did and he didn't really want to talk about it. So he said he was a video producer and he said, of what kind of videos? And Link said, corporate videos. <laughs> hey, Which Google's is all technically true. It's all technically true. <laughs> Imagine what that ride's like. Um, okay, next one. Uh, the wax paper dogs or the Coleman liquidation commercial? <laughs> oh okay. man we owe so much to our first band the wax paper dogs i mean you can we can trace back so much of our career to like investing in that band but i really love that epic and honest mobile home commercial we made 
Yeah. I think that the, the body of work of the wax paper dogs does not hold a candle to the Coleman liquidation commercial. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, if we're being it, honest. That is, that is truly, I, I know you guys must know this, how so many of us found out about you guys. Like, who are these guys? Is this real? Are the, is this commercial thing real? And I, it was blown away. Like, oh, they do more than just that one. <laughs> you know, it's like, it was amazing. I, I, I feel like okay. we were just along for the ride. I mean, as he was selling mobile homes, we were just filming the guy. And the, I've, the best commercials that we made, we felt like they were making themselves. And uh, we were just honored to be a part of it. <laughs> uh, next one, PlayStation, Xbox, or Nintendo Switch? Hmm. Nintendo Switch. Simply because... Um, the only video game that I have played on a console in the I don't know, past 72 months is uh, is Mario, the original Super Mario Brothers. Oh, okay. Through the, through, the, <laughs> through the virtual console. You know what? I'm going to say Xbox because without the Xbox, I would not be able to watch my Blu-ray Lord of the Rings extended <laughs> DVD series and behind the scenes because that's my You're only, the only DVD person. player. You're the only person who likes Xbox because you can play DVDs on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that's your go-to reason. Or I think yeah. there's a very niche audience. There are probably some others. I think I might know one or two. Okay. I, I'm sorry for this last one, but I'm just curious to see what you guys are to say. Pick one, Rhett or Link. Oh. You know, I'm going to go with Link. I'm going to go with Rhett. Hey, that was the right answer. That was the right one. Um, Look at that. Put others before <laughs> yourself. I want to thank both Rhett and Link for chatting with me, and I want to thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this interview, take a moment and subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. And until next week, take care.